if I were to go back in time, I'd worry less. Um, I know that sounds kind of like, uh, you know, kind of almost Pollyannic because you're going to worry about the future. But I, but I did worry to a fault. Um, you know, things kind of work themselves out through hard work, doing the right thing. Um, you know, the hustle, the grind, they do work themselves out. And the, the reality is, is business is hard, but worrying did nothing for me. I mean, it only stole my ability to communicate calmly or my convictions. Um, it only stole my sleep, which was necessary for me to, to act um, in a way that was very sharp and clear. Uh, it only stole from me and made the road to success much longer. Um, it, it stole time from people I loved because I was in the other room sulking or thinking, and it wasn't thinking, it was really worry. And so if I could go back in time, I would, <laughs> I don't know how, but I'd worry less. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Daryl Lyons. And uh, Daryl uh, started out uh, growing up in a, a small town in Texas, uh, and then he went in or went to uh, college, uh, paid his way working uh, in the banking industry, um, and then afterwards uh, went and worked for a period of time, and then uh, co-founded a business and uh, is leading the business uh, or continues to bring out employees and uh, grow in revenue, and he'll share a bit more, more about that. So uh, with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Daryl. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely excited to have you here. So I just did, gave a, a quick walkthrough to a, a much longer journey. So why don't we uh, rewind and unpack a little bit and tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got uh, started uh, growing up in uh, in a small town in Texas. Yeah, I'll try to condense it as much as I can. But I remember um, we had a little uh, mobile home, a little trailer on the side of the highway in a trailer park in Castroville, Texas. And I remember edging the trailer, you know, be weed eating. And um, you had to be careful because the thing on a trailer, if you get too close, it cracks the skirting. And so when I'm edging, I'm thinking, I wonder how people get houses with foundations with like this thick concrete. How does, how does that work? And so my friend, her dad was a banker and he had a house, they had a house with a nice foundation, but I started becoming curious about money. This was about 17, 18. And Ended up working at a bank. That's how I paid my way through college. Actually, it was very great because the bank I worked at was primarily Spanish-speaking community. So that was really a lot of fun to engage with that culture and that community at that time. But that paid my way through school, got an undergrad in accounting and finance, went on to, to law school and got a degree um, there at Texas A&M University and, and other education. But it, the education is more um, less about resume, but more just about genuine curiosity about money, how it works. Uh, the learning never ends, as you know, uh, there's just always something new. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I in, eventually along the way bumped into a couple guys and we were now, just before we get to the, the, the current business let's diving in. So you went to your school undergraduate, you said it was, in, it was uh, with what degree? St. Mary's university 
Bachelor of Business Administration, and one in corporate finance, another one in accounting. So you came out with a few degrees, and it sounds like you uh, compete with me for uh, having the, the most degrees, so uh, definitely uh, props to you. So now you come out of school now, as you're coming out of school, and you've got the law degree, the finance, the banking kind of experience, and the business experience, kind of what was that initial step into the, the working world, or where did you to start your journey there? Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, the law degree came later, but, and I'll, and I can always share that, but the right out of, right out of undergraduate, I needed a job. I needed money. So the day after I graduated, I, I did, I didn't know how the financial world works. So I ended up selling life insurance. Not, I, I thought, I thought it was, or honestly, I thought it was like this sophisticated. Uh, I knew what a CFP was because I had researched that I was a certified financial planner, but I had no idea how to navigate that. So I was selling life insurance and door to door and, and, uh, you know, humbling that was um and it ended up ended up almost getting fired um bumped into a guy that needed a buy sell agreement just so happened to bump into me at a healthcare company and so i understood academically because i'd studied it what a buy sell agreement was it was insurance on partners this was the basic door knock i was no knocking on doors and he said yeah i need a buy sell agreement we funded that buy sell agreement i kept my job it gave me enough um runway i ended up becoming rookie of the year partner of the year and uh, was moving big company and actually gaining favor by the executive. So my life would have been in Chicago or New York probably at this point, but that wasn't for me. No. And so it sounds like, you know, had a bit of that experience, you know, took the leap, so to speak, did the agreement, got some good traction and was uh, building, you know, the career in that aspect. Now, as you're going along, I mean, obviously you transitioned to a bit. So kind of walk us through what was uh, the next phase or the next step in your journey after you kind of started to, to work your way up within that, within that industry. Yeah. So when I quit, my wife also quit her job. We were newly married. We had a newborn. It wasn't good math. Um, and I had kind of abandoned some important principles. So I had kind of gotten myself in debt. I had a BMW convertible and I was kind of um, not as extreme, but almost like a you know professional sports player kind of spends money. So um, we had to unwind that. And that was very challenging. I'd actually heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey, but I never really thought much of him you know, an educated financial guy. And so he was for the other people, but I started following his model and, um, we, mm. we did all the debt snowball and stuff. And so I was really into the, into it. And, um, uh, a friend of mine made a connection and said, Hey, Dave's looking to, um, to have people in the communities that he can trust that will, uh, invest money for his list, his radio listeners. And he called this program endorse local provider. And so I was one of the first ones there. And, uh, really that was just kind of great tailwind. And so me and three other guys, we, um, we decided to start this company called PAX. It's Latin for peace. And, um, it's a spinoff of Dave Ramsey's financial peace university. Cause we were all in on the Dave Ramsey train and uh, serving his listeners. And I would see, you know, at the peak, I'm not, I don't do advisory work anymore. I mean, it's leadership of the organization, but at the time I was seeing six people a day, I mean, every day. And it was, I mean, it was a grind, but it was, I was meeting a ton of good people and uh, it was really a catalyst for our growth. No, it sounds like it was a, a great opportunity. Now, just one thing, and maybe I, I missed it, but uh, circling back, maybe a little bit, you said law school came a little bit later on. Where did that fit in within the journey? Was that while you were working or you took a break or while you were doing the, the, the Dave Ramsey stuff or kind of walk us through a little bit of how law school slots into that? Yeah. So after, um, so after I, uh, graduated undergrad, I was promised that by this big insurance company that they were going to pay for my master's. But what they said was they weren't going to pay for the master's, they were going to pay for higher education. So as a play on words, and higher education means designations in our industry. So I said, okay, fine, 
that. So I went in and after undergrad, I got the CLU, CFP, CHFC, uh, a, a few other letters. There's like six or seven letters. Um, but I still always had this lingering, like I, I need to get a formal um, like postgraduate degree. So it was during COVID that I was around. I was like, you know, I'm going to go, this is time I'm going to go to law school. So Texas A&M had a law program. So they cut out all courtroom stuff and just focused on the wealth management piece. So we got into contract law relative to wealth management and very intricate estate planning. We even got into the legitimacy and, and the legalities of whether or not cryptocurrency is in fact a security or not. So I did that during COVID and uh, that was an incredible experience. Oh, sounds like it was a great experience and a great opportunity. So it's so now just uh, maybe uh, going back to where you said you were at. So you you were do, doing uh, some of the you know financial planning and then you got into being an endorsed local or provider with the, the Dave Ramsey network and whatnot. Um, now, how long were you kind of part of that network versus deciding, hey, we'll go and kind of do our own thing or, you know, take a lot of those learnings and, and branch off on your own kind of how long was that transition period? You know, we we actually transitioned out of Dave. I think it was, gosh, how long has it been to say four or five years ago? So it hasn't been that long, but it was getting to the point where our clients um, were just becoming more and more sophisticated in terms of their needs. And for us to give them attention, we couldn't manage that same volume. And so it just it got to a point where it was like, okay, this is this was great. And so we're now going to just change our modeling a little bit. And uh, and that's been great, kind of just developing our own systems and processes. You know, everything that we did prior to that was always with Ramsey's team in mind and how do we um, develop systems and processes and culture around this um, partnership that we had. But now it's been actually pretty fun to be able to just do it well, you know, it's like max creativity for yeah. us. And so our teams really enjoyed kind of cultivating our own identity, so to speak. So now walk us through. So how long ago did you kind of start out that? And you mentioned you, you started with uh, maybe a, a few friends or co-founders of that. So yeah. kind of walk us through how you made that leap, how you got it going and kind of how long ago was that? Yeah, that was 17 years ago. Me and uh, two other guys started. I ended up buying one of them out very amicably. He's a dear friend of mine today. He, he got recruited by Dave Ramsey. Um, his job for Dave Ramsey was to translate all of Ramsey's content into Spanish. So his name's Andres Gutierrez. He actually has a, an incredible brand in the international markets today. He no longer, he's separated from Dave, again, amicably. Dave's a great guy, by the way. I've worked with him for a number of years. I can attest he's a, he's a stand-up guy. Andres ended up uh, doing his own thing. So then me and a couple of guys were left, uh, me and one other guy. And so we just grinded together. Um, since then, we've actually uh, expanded our equity. So now we have ten. Uh, we have twenty six employees, ten of which have some element of equity in the organization. And we continue to dilute our equity. Um, I would suggest to you that the dilution of our equity has not resulted in a dilution of my net worth. Uh, it's kind of funny how that math works. I have less as a percentage than I did when I first got started, but my net worth has not gone down at all. Uh, it's just shared uh, among uh, other people. So we'll continue to do that as we grow. Well, that sounds awesome. So now, six, you say 16 or 17 years? 17 years, yeah. Now, you've been doing it for 17 years, which is a pretty good period of time, and I'm sure there's been a bit of evolution. So walk to suit kind of from that, you know, you mentioned, you know, a couple part or partner buyout and some other things, yeah. but walk us through how is that, how's the business evolved over the, the 17 years and how have you guys expanded, contracted, growed, shrunk, getting ready to retire, getting ready to sell off, getting ready to take to the next phase, kind of walk us through that, that yeah. evolution a bit, a bit. 
It's a great question. We've evolved a lot. So as the marketplace, I mean, when we first started, so I originally started in 1999, started this business 17 years ago, but, you know, even the marketplace has evolved quite a bit. Um, so for example, mutual funds were the primary way for people to invest. Um, the marketplace has really shifted towards exchange traded funds, which is very similar, um, but much lower cost and much more efficient to, to own. So we've seen a, an evolution there. Um, we've seen uh, a move away from some of the larger wirehouse firms like Merrill Lynch and more into independent uh, firms that aren't forced to sell products. So we've, you know, we've grown as well and, and we've created uh, uh, methods and processes that really have defined our investment philosophy today. You know, uh, as an example, in 2011, 2008, the market crashed. A lot of us forget 2008, the market was a big crash. But 2011 was a tricky year too, because 2011, the market was almost going to crash again. And we almost saw kind of a collapse of the EU. Uh, we almost saw the Greece was about to crumble. Um, so that was very tumultuous. So we had... Um, I get a little nerdy here, but I think it's helpful. From two thousand, from for about ten years, the S and P five hundred, believe it or not, was uh, negative for ten years. So um, I was looking at my clients' accounts, saying I am not bringing any value to them because there really hasn't been any performance from two thousand two thousand ten. So that's, uh, you know, that was a threat to to my occupation. And so I thought, well, well I've got to start doing things differently. So we started, and and the whole industry kind of went this way for about because we were all kind of assessing this together. So we started getting into some more algorithm trading, which was uh, if it's a green light, you buy. If it's a red light, you sell. And we thought, well, this is a great way. You could back test it. And this is a great way for people to, to you know, not just own the S&P. But in 2011, the volatility was so high that we all got what's called whipsawed and people permanently lost capital. It was a very painful experience. So that was an important experience because, um, kind of taking a step back, kind of going in nature and saying, okay, how do I, what do I believe? So we just kind of took inventory and said, you know what? The reality is, is that Warren Buffett's right. Dave Ramsey's right. The best thing to do is buy good companies, own them for an extended period of time and try to help people not to overthink this stuff, which sounds like um, not sophisticated enough, but it really is the right thing to do. And so I spent a lot of my time um, you know, helping walk through, you know, through people's anxieties and worries. And we've uh, integrated this whole field of study called behavioral finance into our organization through technology, which is kind of a, a collision of psychology, neuroscience, and, and even just traditional finance. And so we very much um, have, have really evolved in a lot of ways to answer long answer short question in our asset management approach, just really believing in owning good companies. And then also just recognizing our primary role is sitting kneecap to kneecap people and making sure we're walking life with them. Makes, makes perfect sense. Sounds like a great evolution and great path you guys have been on. So now being in the business for 17 years, you know, good period of time. So, but now if you're just, you know, businesses always continue to evolve and uh, continue to grow and expand or go in different directions, either because you're wanting to do that uh, yourself or because that's what the market demands. So now if you're to say, OK, kind of taking the next six to 12 months, where do you guys kind of see things headed or, or what are the next steps for you? Question. So uh, keep in mind, the area that I'm in is in San Antonio, Texas. Um, we have a lot of uh, Christians, uh, big churches in our area. So there's a, an appetite for, especially in the polarization of our country today, for um, our community to not be owners through stock investments of companies that are behaving antithetical to a deeply held biblical worldview. So 
we have um, we've recognized that screening out companies that are um, doing things that are undermining the Christian faith is important to investors. So we've done biblical responsible investing is kind of the theme, and we've seen a widespread adoption of that and an appetite for that. So we're doing that where it's appropriate. We're not exclusively doing that because we still find that the secular marketplace has plenty of tools, but. The biblical responsible investing has been a huge win for our organization. It's been uh, able to serve a marketplace. And so we'll continue to lean in that. Oh, sounds like uh, a, a great uh, direction to head in and uh, provide uh, some good opportunities as well as uh, some uh, or, or good possibilities. So that's uh, definitely awesome to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Well, now as we've kind of reached the, the present day of your journey and even looking a little bit into where things are headed, it's a great time to transition to the two questions I always like to ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. Um, so the first question I always like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made, and what'd you learn from it? Yeah, you know, it's really going back to 2011 um, when I, uh, you know, in a lot of ways knew to not be emotional, um, but somehow I got caught up in the emotion um, and didn't even recognize it at the time, and that was rooted in the algorithm trading um, euphoria that took place which was more of the flavor of the month than it was principled. Um, and I had studied this stuff for a long time. And that's the thing about investing is that you can be so knowledgeable and still get caught up in either the noise or whatever whatever new idea is. But that 2011 difficult, in fact, it was so difficult that my partner at the time, he got sick and had to be hospitalized. It was that stressful. And we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, it was really just tough. And we survived, um, but uh, I learned plenty of lessons. And first of all, emotional fortitude, but also just stay the course, uh, have convictions in your principles. Don't get caught up in the latest fad. Um, I'm I'm not quick to jump on trends. I tend to I will be I will be okay to make quick decisions if the consequences are immaterial. But the material decisions, I'm slower, more methodical. And so that's, I think that's just obviously wisdom, but 2011 taught me that. Now, it sounds like it was, uh, you know, it's one of those where sometimes you hold off too long or you don't adapt to technology or you don't leverage uh, new uh, ways to go about things. You can get, you know, left in the dust, so to speak, but vice versa. Sometimes you too quick to adapt or don't bet it or not or unknowing, or you do do a, a good betting job and it doesn't turn out how you want and you get to learn uh, learn from that as well. And so it sounds like a, an easy mistake to make, but uh, definitely a great one to learn from. Yeah. Second question now that I'd like to ask you is, so now if you're talking to somebody that's uh, just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you give them? Uh, I just won. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, the, if I were to go back in time, I'd worry less. Hmm. Um, I know that sounds kind of like, uh, you know, kind of almost Pollyannic because you're going to worry about the future, but I, but I did worry to a fault. Um, you know, things kind of work themselves out through hard work, doing the right thing, um, you know, the hustle, the grind. They do work themselves out. And the the reality is, is business is hard, but worrying did nothing for me. I mean, it only stole my ability to communicate calmly or my convictions. Um, it only stole my sleep, which was necessary for me to, to act um, in a way that was very sharp and clear. Uh, it only stole from me and made the road to success 
much longer. Um, it it stole time from people I loved because I was in the other room sulking or thinking, and it wasn't thinking; it was really worry. And so, if I could go back in time, I would. <laughs> I don't know how, but I'd worry less. <laughs> yeah, and and that's always easier said than done in the sense that you know when you know we look back, and think, man, why did I worry so much about that? Or it all worked out, or it all it wasn't yeah. as important as, as it may have seemed at the time, and yet you know at the time to. to take that one step back and to have that longer view of things is often easier said than done, but definitely a, a great uh, perspective to have and a great uh, piece of advice. Well, now, as we do wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more. Yeah, you can go to paxfinancialgroup.com. That's Paul Apple X-Ray Financial Group.com. You can, um, if somebody wanted to, uh, since I don't do advisory work, but all the advisors that are foundation or extension of me, they all are part of PAX. So you can click on that, uh, connect with advisor, and that's 15-minute consult. It doesn't cost you anything. So it's just to make sure it's a good fit, you know might not be a good fit. So that's a good way. LinkedIn's good. I don't, I'm not a personality where I'm getting out there on X or even Instagram. I do have, um, I do have a, a placement there from my, my marketing team says I, I'd have to, but, but LinkedIn is where I usually have engaging content. So that's a good place to, to follow me. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, uh, make a new connection, support a great business. And if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for yeah. all of your listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if along your journey, you ever need help with patents or trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help well thank you again for uh coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last